0: Hi, this is Justine Cullen, Editor-in-Chief of Elle Australia. This podcast is a recording of a live conversation I had in the Apple Store in Sydney with Robin Exton, the founder and CEO of the app Her, which is the world's biggest dating app for LGBTQ women. I loved talking to Robin about her experience in creating the app, some of her learnings around building a startup, and so much more. So please enjoy. These days, you know, if you haven't got some sort of app idea marinating in your brain, you're probably a little bit dead inside. So, um, you know, but it's a rare bird who can take that idea and turn it into something very real and an even rarer bird who can potentially really enrich people's lives, which is absolutely what you're doing um, in such an incredible way. So can you talk me through that process, you know, the initial steps of of bringing the idea to life? I know I'm really interested in, in the moment when you decided to make this your full-time job yeah and what you were doing at that time
1: I um uh, it was it was like a slow it was a slow burn process for me and uh, I think afterwards you like look back at it and think like why did that happen like people always talk about women being more risk averse than men and that guys would have probably just like jumped into stuff sooner and started making it for me I worked on it in my spare time for about a year um uh, which started off with just like drawing things and then going and being part of the London tech community and, like, finding meetups, like, talking to developers, like, learning about what it would take to start building a product. Um, and then I started learning to code. So I didn't know anything about, like, tech or engineering or, like, I didn't know anything, basically, at that point, apart from branding and marketing. Um, and so I, yeah, started to learn to code in the evenings, went on a web development course for three months. Um, and then... Uh, started to build some like web versions of what I wanted um, uh, and then started to meet some people who I could then hire as freelancers I was working extra jobs to earn more money I was like selling everything I had on eBay I was like doing anything to just like get more cash to fund it um, and I think just over time as it went on like the importance of what the app was to me started to become more important than what the day job was and uh, it, it, it started to reach this tipping point and I kind of then couldn't decide what, like, when, when was going to be the time to quit and when was mm-hmm. the time to get Okay, I'm going to risk it and try and do it. And I had to justify it to myself that it was going to be like my gap year and I would take a year out. I'd never take it. Most people take a gap year to go traveling and I'd never done that. And so I was like, okay, my gap year will be trying to make a business and if it doesn't work, I'll go back after that. I'll find another job and get back into it. And if it does work, cool, I'll just carry on. Um, uh,
0: so what sort of time period are
1: we talking from the beginning and how so, old were you? So I think it took me from the very first idea to the day that I quit my job uh, was just under a year. Um, and when I was thinking the first thing I did was to start saving money because I, I think definitely at that time I was more risk averse. And I was like, okay, well also realistically I need money to make this happen. So I've got to do that. And that took me like six months. And meanwhile, I was like marinating an idea and working through it. Yeah. Um, uh, And then, yeah, the day that I submitted it to Apple was the day that I quit my job and handed in the notice and was like, at some point, you've got to take a leap of faith. Like, it's never going to just happen. You're never going to know that it's all going to be okay. Like, uh, it's never going to be okay. Everything's going to go wrong. It's going to be really hard. But it's not going to start until you take that, like, uh, hurdle and uh, go do it. So that was when it began.
0: It's amazing. I was listening to a podcast the other day with the the author of the School for Good and Evil who was talking about how he was... um he was uh, tutoring students like high school students when he when he sold the book and then kept tutoring after he sold the book and kept tutoring even after they sold the movie rights because he really? was just like too scared to case. make that leap so it's an yeah. incredibly
1: brave thing to do yeah i like uh, um uh, so i saved this money we then uh, r- i ran out of money because i was like paying engineers and uh, then i had this like decision of if i was going to go back to like daytime job that i was doing before do consulting which you know in theory should pay you more money for doing the same thing um uh, but I actually took a job in a pub again and was just like I needed to do something where I felt like it was really different to what I've been doing before and uh, I knew that I could like do that in evenings and weekends and then work on that during the day but I think like everyone has to have a backup plan and I think uh, people talk about it as, like what your security net is and you know, another backup plan realistically for me was that I had spoken to my parents about it and I'd agreed that I could go like crash on their sofa or my mum has a spare room and I could stay at her as if I needed to and I think that for me was like the ultimate backup plan like uh, if any like basic human like requirements is shelter and food and water and if I knew that I could get that from my parents then that was the default Um, uh, and then I had like financial backup plan of money or alternative jobs of working in the pub and knowing I could go back there so I think that de-risked it for me I think it's a massive issue that women do need to de-risk things for themselves so dramatically to take those leaps of faith. Mm. And uh, I wish that, you know, there was more, um, uh, support and encouragement for women to take risks, not stupid risks. Like, uh, don't put yourself in a like dodgy situation, but like, uh, believing that you will figure things out as you go through it. Cause that's yeah. what setting a company is. Like there is no right answer. It's never going to be laid out for you. You just have to figure shit out as you go. Yeah. And, uh, Believing that you will know how to do that is just the only thing that you need at that time.
0: But it sounds like you were very, you know, you had your option B, C, D in case things didn't work out. Yeah,
1: but I don't, I don't know if I needed that. Like, uh, I, uh, it, it, I think it took me too long to take that leap of faith. And things will never dramatically make progress on your company until you can dedicate full time to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's like stolen hours here or there, weekends are great because you get some solid time. But... You never make as much progress as when you're doing it full time, and uh, at some point you have to take that leap.
0: I want to backtrack again, just, yes. to, just to when you first um, came up with the idea. Tell me about, you know, really when you first spotted that opportunity for online dating.
1: And... So I was working at this marketing agency, and one of my clients was a dating business, and so I had uh, learned about the like, business and industry side of it from them. Um, uh, and then uh, I was using these really bad lesbian websites that were like made for gay men, by gay men, and then they were like, let's make it pink and give it to women, and that'll do. Some and, of the names that you mentioned, yeah. I was just like... like... les on le, like girl on girl, les to les, like these really just cringe experiences. And um, it, was, it was this particular one that I was using in London, and it really uh, frustrated me. And, um, uh, and then I was in the pub with a mate, and she had split up with her girlfriend, and... Uh, we were like, well, you've got to sign up to this website. It's just what everyone uses. Like, uh, it's your only option. I'm sorry, it sucks. But it's, it, there was that. And then there was this um, app called, uh, that was out at the time called Brenda. And it was the guys who made an app called Bender. And then they turned it purple and went, Brenda. Oh, and uh, like that was it. Ta-da. And, um, uh, and it was really bad. <laughs> it was like filled with fake profiles. It was like weird messages. And, and it wasn't built for women. It wasn't looking at what I wanted what my life was like like how I wanted to meet and talk to people um and so when I was telling my friend Alice to like do these I was like uh yeah, you just suck it Not up it. this is what we have to use and then I was like wait a minute this is ridiculous like I know that I know that better exists out there and it seems crazy that no one's done it because surely like uh, there is a People know that this is market. Like, we all know there are lesbians. It's, like, it's a box on forms. Like, we know that women <laughs> exist out there. Why has no one made something for us? Mm. And uh, it just hadn't happened yet. And so um, that was your light bulb moment. And that was it. Like, uh, I'm just going to do it. Incredible. Yeah.
0: And you you have, you mentioned before, you're not an official, like, a, a tech person, yeah. so to speak. You're a non-tech person. Yeah. So tell me about some of those particular challenges and learnings that you have Come across along the way.
1: I like, I don't know if any of you guys are engineers or coders or have done any of that, but I think the the biggest like game change for me was the first time I just my first class of my programming like um, course was a really basic introduction to the difference between like front end and back end and what HTML means and what CSS means, and that is the most dramatic difference that you can have of like just going, oh, I kind of get it. Like uh, I look at websites every day, I use apps every day, and uh, I wouldn't, didn't, just didn't know the difference of how it was made. And I think that was the, the biggest step that I took. And then from that, like, I'm, yeah, I'm not a full-time engineer. And I think that if I hadn't, like, cared about making this business, I think that could have been an option. Like, after you start doing it, I mean, there's absolutely, like, a, you know, there's, there's some people that will be incredibly skilled at being able to be fantastic engineers. But the majority of people are just good engineers. And you work hard and you learn it. And it's like any language and you invest time, you get good at it, and you can build stuff. And it doesn't mean that everyone should do it, but I think everyone should have a basic element of understanding of what it means to write code and how you build websites because it's everything in our lives every day. Um, so I think that was like, a, for me, it was a massive like knowledge shift of feeling that I knew a little bit of what I was talking about. It's still really important to me now because we have to make like, decisions about what our API is going to be built in. And uh, I have a CTO who we've worked on it together for four years now. And when we make that decision, like, I have to be involved with it because it's, it's my company, and we're going to have to be recruiting people, and I have to know about the costs associated. And uh, you know, I rely on him to like, educate me about what the options are, what the differences are. And then I use that knowledge to then talk to other people. And it doesn't mean that I'm building our API every day, but it means I can have an opinion about yeah. what would be good or bad for us. And I think that's what's always been more important for me is, like, the knowledge and the, like, confidence, I guess, that it gives me of being able to hold a conversation about technology. And did you find that,
0: as a woman, were you being spoken to differently or treated differently in, in that
1: part of the industry? Or? With that, I don't... I, honestly, at that time, I think I wasn't even aware that there were, like, gender disparities. I was just like, make my app, we're going for it. Um, I think one thing that I think made a really big difference was... Uh, if you're interested in like creating a startup and setting up a company, everyone talks about having a co-founder and building a team and what you need to do that. And at the time in London, like vast majority of engineers are guys. And so I'm out there at like every tech meetup being like, oh, I want to make a lesbian app. Who's going to make it with me? <laughs> and they're all like, oh. <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're not in and you know, they were right. They didn't. But um, uh, I think there's, there was an issue around gender there in that as much as investors have pattern matching where they look at people and go, do I recognize in you what I see in myself and do I want to back you? It's exactly the same with co-founders. It was like all these male engineers that saw me talking about this like problem and this opportunity and why they should be a part of it, but they didn't relate to it because they weren't used to hearing like women pitching ideas and talking about this company. And so I think it made it difficult to find, like I'm a solo founder and ideally you want to have two co-founders coming into it with you. Um, and I just, no one would sign up, no one would do it. So, I'd be like, fuck you, do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and doing a great
0: of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's become such a catch cry that we need to teach our girls to code. Mm. And I mean, your
1: experience is so, so true to that. I, like, I think everyone needs to learn to code. It's, uh, it's too prevalent um, a, a platform in all of our lives for people not to know how this works. And I don't think everyone needs to be an engineer, but I think having that knowledge is important. Mm-hmm. It's it's like if um, uh, it's like it's like everyone's speaking every day, but you don 't know the alphabet like uh, you need to know this stuff it's important and it 's only going to become more important and the technology is getting smarter and more complicated and we need to have the basic fundamentals to know where things are going yeah. um, I, there's huge um, uh, issues with gender disparity of teaching kids and, and how young girls are treated with STEM subjects, like how mm-hmm. people approach them with young girls Um, I think it's great that there is attention being brought to it and I think there are some really cool toys being developed I think you know trying to de-gender toys is uh, hopefully something that will start to happen and happen more Um, uh, it will just take like probably a good like five to eight years before it will really start to see any difference and constant vigilance yeah Yeah. exactly and and it's and the the problem is like parents at the moment grew up in a world where they didn't receive it and so they're having to like you know we're having to learn it ourselves i do it i'll see i don't know what the hell it is i'll see a little girl and i'll be like you look so pretty like, why, the, why am i saying that like because that was said to me or because that's just what i thought was the right thing to do why am i not like yeah. you're running so fast or like uh, yeah. you didn't cry when you fell over that's awesome like yeah. uh, it's it's so based around appearance and not based around like uh, achievements and performance and opportunity of like the people they could become yeah
0: i mean i it's the same i have boys so I, you know i'm constantly reminding myself instead of saying you look so cute to be
1: you're yeah. so smart
0: and funny or kind yeah. or whatever those things are yeah but yeah i think it will change i think it, it will we'll change people there. are so
1: much more aware of it and the impact that this like language and vocabulary has on people so just yeah as you say like constant vigilance mm. putting it forward for an army
0: um You've also described her as the exact opposite to Grinder. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really interested in, in some of the learnings that you got along the way about, um, you know, the different needs of women compared to the needs um, of men and how some of the, the existing products and how it's being used differently.
1: Yeah. So when I first started, I didn't know that our user base wanted a different experience. I thought that we would just like make Grindr and that would work. And it would be pink. And it, yeah, <laughs> but Basically, So this is what was so ironic, was that I was slating all these other products for being like that. And then when I did it, I made a brand that was like relevant to me and my friends. But the product, the actual interaction experience, I didn't think through or realize that I should be changing that. So when the first app that we made ran, it was really like Grindr. And so we just learned all this stuff that like all these products when you have a guy leading the company they get to make decisions on a daily basis that uh, work well for them And, and that's their right as a founder and it's how anyone would like process a problem but the problem is it's all guys running these companies and so all these like nuances skew to stuff that just works slightly better for guys and we don't have any guys in our app and so all these like behaviors just didn't really suit our users particularly well so Things like, uh, so the grinder model, you have the closest person to you in a grid, and for guys, that's great because you're going to meet up within an hour, within two hours, within five hours. It's like very immediate, quick turnaround. Our users don't meet up for seven days, and so seeing that someone is really near to you is just like creepy and irrelevant, Um, uh, and uh, because they're seven days away, you've got so much more time for messaging. Like, our users message so much to each other it's hard to get them to start messaging but when they do start there's tons of like back and forth and so we had things like our profiles like the grinder profiles are a big face picture if you're lucky if not it'll be something else and (laughs) then that's all they need they're like in and then it's like top bottom what's happening next Um, and with us we had like seven days of conversation (laughs) to build and so having a face picture doesn't lead to the most like genuine conversation like we needed to show who you are and women are really bad at describing themselves they always undersell themselves and uh, it was just this really kind of dead space so we ended up having to build profiles our profiles are more like pinterest boards so that you can share more content of what expresses like who you are so where you've gone vacation and the kind of food you eat and uh, um uh, what clothes you're into if you're into clothes like it's a completely your your like creative space to craft um and then we started to find that like actually for our community and our user base um uh, they weren't just in it for dating so guys are exceptionally clear about what they're looking for they go into the app they open it they look for it they get it it's like Ours, uh, people come into it and they they are looking for uh, like a myriad of relationships and they'll be just as happy if uh, they get a date as if they fall in love as if they get a friend at the end of the whole experience Mm -hmm. and so because of that they're not out there looking for one specific thing so actually a lot of the dating parts of it work much better when it's in a social experience. Mm -hmm. And so having content, we have like a question of the day that runs in the app and people answer it. And then they use that um, uh, comment to then start a conversation off the back of it. And it's much more natural, much more social. It's more real time. So you actually see this person commented two minutes ago rather than like a profile that hasn't been updated for six months. Um, uh, And it's to be honest, we're still learning like all these differences of what makes it better. Like, our, our biggest problem is that um, uh, women don't message. Like, uh, I, I think that's because we all grew up in a world that is like heteronormative structure. We don't, we don't ask questions at events. You don't like put your hand up. It's not, we're not pushing forward in the same way. And uh, when that comes to dating, you've got it on both sides. You've got two people being like, you go, like, you <laughs> message. And uh, everyone's dating. just waiting. Yeah. <laughs> So we start the conversation, and so we put an opener into the app. Um, Twenty, if no one sent a message in twenty-four hours, we start that conversation for them to just get it going. And it led to twenty-five percent more like conversations and like real interactions happening. So it's just uh, playing. We pay like super close attention to what's working, what's not working, um, and always just try and like tweak and enhance the experience so it should feel more natural and uh, um, easier and more. Um, uh, just comfortable, I yeah. think, for, for women to meet each other. And
0: are you are you coming to these learnings via constant dialogue with your users, or are they just things you're noticing from...
1: It's mainly data. Yeah. So um, uh, we we used to spend a lot of time with users when our data was... When we didn't have a, a large enough nice. user base, it would all come from individuals. There's a slight issue where people often um, tell themselves they're looking for something when they're actually looking for something else. So mm-hmm. like, when it comes to... it, We don't know what we're looking for. Like... Uh, you you often know what you're not looking for or you have this fantasy of what you're looking for and that could be really different to how you then behave so like once you hit a certain critical mass it's easier to just look at data because that tells us actually what people want and what they're coming for and what they're doing so now anything before it gets developed it's always built it's always like uh, tested among like australia is actually our main like testing market for new features and new products um so we'll always like release it here see what the impact is does it improve the experience? Does it like increase conversion rates? Does it have better performance? And then um, roll out everywhere else.
0: I feel like it must be so incredible to have data at your disposal in a romantic, Yeah. Like, you would, you're like the expert in everything now.
1: It's, all my guy friends are like, you know about women. Like, <laughs> tell me what I can do. But what's so good is the, um, uh, so these conversation openers that we do, we like test hundreds of different ones And so that's the stuff that they really want to know. Just like, what's the best performing? Like, how do I ask a question that girls are going to reply to? And uh, like, you, I get asked all the time to like um, edit friends' profiles (laughs) and like put in the best woman content. Which is like, there is just stuff that works better. And uh, what does what what's what's a fail-proof profile? uh, Number one, like profile picture. Take it seriously. Like, uh, so much decision is made off of that, and. I know it's, like, awkward, unless you're under the age of 24, in which case you're probably more comfortable with it, but spend half a day taking selfies of yourself and, like, uh, really, like, uh, you know, get your hair done, get something where you feel, and it, it sounds a bit cringe, but honestly, like, once you've got that good photo, you're like, bang this is great. Um, I know what everyone here is doing tomorrow. Yeah, get, get that good picture. And then... Um, uh, Try and have a picture of an animal uh, pretty close to the top because uh, <laughs> people love uh, pictures of dogs and cats and like cute things and they'll always like be like okay I can ask you about your cat or your dog it makes it much easier we are to a predictable
0: talking. breed aren't yeah. we
1: <laughs> and pretty. food as well food's pretty popular yeah Excellent.
0: <laughs> i, I didn't love how you were saying it you know it, it's so much more than just a hookup app or you know an app for dating um it's very much about creating this sort of social space for women How important was it for you to not just create a product that was bringing individuals together, but also community?
1: Yeah, like, it almost... I actually didn't set it as an objective. I, you know, I wanted to find a girlfriend, so I was like, this is about dating for me. And then we started doing it, people started using it, and uh, it became really apparent that it was being used in other ways anyway, like, whether I thought about it or not. And I first spotted it, I remember I saw, like, a couple's profile, and it was... um, They'd, they'd made it, it was like Sam and Kimmy or something, and they um, uh, were saying that we're just here to meet other people in the community. Like, we wanna know what's happening, we wanna make friends, we wanna be able to socialize. And it started to grow out from there. And then there were more couples, there were people saying they'd just moved to an area and they wanted to know what was happening within the queer community. And it just felt like really natural that if people were using it for that, the whole, we, we should be building it for that. And people will always figure out a way to date. like. Uh, there's this conference in san francisco called Lesbian who tech and it's awesome it's like 1500 queer women at this thing people are dating like it's it's like people are scouting each other out so i think you'll always figure out that way to make it happen but if it is social for its outset it means that everyone can use it and they can feel that if they're in a relationship or if they're not ready to date it's still like a place that you can meet other people
0: and then how natural was it to move into the real life meetup
1: yeah, so we now we run events in 25 cities, so if any of you are in Melbourne or down, well, big ones there, and we are going to start running them in Sydney. But it, you know, the whole purpose of the app is to make it as easy as possible for women and queer people to meet each other. And we realised that events do exactly the same thing, just to a slightly different format and a different like uh, interaction experience. But even our events are designed to make people meet each other. So we have like, uh, all these tactics and uh, games that so there's, An event on Saturday called Girl Thing. If any of you are going, Um, and we'll be there like doing these like introduction things to get people talking to each other. So everyone gets a playing card, and you find the other people with the playing cards, and then you get a free shot or like a prize if you get it. So it's talk. It's like getting people talking to each other, getting them like meeting. It's not club nights. It's kind of um, a a community experience, like a mini festival. And And, I love uh, that
0: you're bringing the fun back into what is kind of a, a. heavy-weighted experience.
1: Yeah, it's, and also, I have super cringe-out still about speed dating. Like, people talk about doing events, I'm like, we will not call it speed dating. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I want them to be, like, it should be, like, mass everyone dating and, like, a, a huge, you know, our events are normally, like, 400 to 1,000 people. Amazing. It's, uh, there's, it's like a mini festival. There'll always be, like, art installations and, like, body art happening and musicians and performers and giant Jenga and, like, talking games and, like, crafts things and all these things Incredible. are happening so that you can, like, sit down next to someone and start talking to them or you can dance if you want to or whatever it is. And I think uh, it should it should feel that way to be able to talk to someone easily.
0: How many people do you have working for you now to be
1: doing this everywhere? There's now, yeah, I think it's, like, 32. Um, yeah, including the event stuff. Incredible. This is cool.
0: You mentioned before that the investor path, you found it quite difficult at the beginning and um, I don't know you mentioned in L in our upcoming story slight plug um, <laughs> that it's not always an easy path for a woman in particular so can you tell us a little bit through your experience in that area and why you think it's slightly harder for women and then what you think we can do about it
1: raising money is really hard um, it was it took a really big like part of my time and my story like getting that first round of funding and it's it's also because you just like rejected constantly. Like I think I pitched probably nearly 200 people to get up to that first round of funding. And yeah, like 185 of them say no. And every time you're just gonna be like, all right, next one, like off we go again. And uh, it's really brutal. I think uh, like uh, in the raising money world, like everyone talks about this idea of pattern matching and how there is like uh, unconscious bias of investors who you know from Silicon Valley they see the like young white tech bro and they see themselves in him and they're like that was me and my life turned out great so I'm going to back you because you're going to be great and it doesn't give a queer woman of color any hope of getting any kind of business off the ground in fact there are so few women of color founders in Silicon Valley they are statistical they statistically don't exist it's actually a rounding error for the volume of women that there are mm. um, at running companies so the chances that someone's going to hear you talking about your problem, know that that industry exists, and believe and buy into you, like all, all startups are um, uh, an illogical um, uh, b- business. Mm-hmm. you you're, you know, against it's it is against the odds that this business should succeed. You're taking limited resources, limited experience, very limited amounts of money, and trying to turn it in a multi into a multi billion dollar business within quite a short space of time with absolute rapid growth and the odds are not in your favour to do that so when investment comes in it helps you allow you to do that but it needs an investor to take a leap of faith Mm. to see you to hear your story to understand the market to know how big it is to go you're going to do it and I think I'm going to be on the journey with you and it's such an emotional
0: decision yeah
1: it can be like super personal and what's like angel investing is often very personal VC investing should not be personal and the problem is that it is Mm. And, and that's how they treat it and it's why they like see other people, recognize the kind of approach and the personality, and then they back people that they resonate with. So I think, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm running a lesbian app and I'm going to all these like, middle-aged white men being like, you know when you're at a bar and you're trying to chat up this girl <laughs> and they're like, uh, a little bit, yeah. And then you start talking about like, and then you're both staring at each other, but you don't have the confidence to go talk to them. And they're like, ooh, hmm, interesting. <laughs> you're like, you're staring at them for ages, So like a... Uh, They were listening to the problem, but it was something they couldn't relate to at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think uh, at the end of the day, all of it, like running a company is uh, hard and you have to get thick skin. And there are like no two ways about it. Like uh, you uh, put your big girl pants on and you get your shit together every day and uh, you don't ever like stop to think about how, like what what the bad parts of it are. Because if Mm -hmm. you do, you're losing time and you're losing confidence. And so it's, it's like every knock back every time someone says no I used to think of it as um uh, I was like Aya Stark like every night before I'd go to bed and just like repeat the names of the people that said no to me <laughs> and be like I'm gonna show you I'm gonna show you I'm gonna show you and uh, it's just like uh, you just have to keep doing it mm. never ever give up that's, yeah. uh, you just have to keep going about investor after investor and keep going
0: I mean I don't think that that um that's sort of um determination is something that we foster in young women, really. I mean, it's kind of like, do what you're good at and wait wait till you
1: find something that, you know, everyone will say yes to. Yeah, and it's hard. It's, like, exhausting. But, like, women are hardcore. Like, uh, we've uh, dealt with so much already to, like, get to these points in our lives of, like, daily, like, uh, misogyny and little digs that you don't even realise have been happening. Like, I really um, appreciate the amount of attention that is currently being given to catcalling, and the acknowledgement that this happens like every day in a woman's Mm. life and every day you're made to feel a little bit like shit or a little bit uncomfortable yet you get on with your day and you either like Mm. uh, put your head down and get on with it or give someone the finger or whatever it is but things like that I think mean that you have like inbuilt this great resilience it's just acknowledging it and going all right then I can use it and do do something else with that yeah I love
0: that very uh, a great flip Um, What are some of the greatest transformations in technology you've seen Mm. um, throughout your career?
1: For me, I think the stuff that I'm seeing now that I think is uh, the bodes for the most exciting shift is VR. And uh, if you haven't put on an office shift or any kind of VR headset, it's phenomenal. And like... uh, it just it makes me see a way the world will be in not too short space of time where I won't be leaving my bedroom I'll just be like sitting there and having holiday experiences in my head and going to simulators where heat is put onto my body and I feel like I'm on the beach and uh, you know, when you have interactions real interactions with human beings who are visually cast in front of it it's, it's so encompassing and inclusive and I think I'm uh, less knowledgeable about AI, but I think for the stuff that I know of it and what I see from friends working on it, and I I think that's I'm less knowledgeable because there's not a lot known at this point. There's everyone knows like the potential powers of where it could go, but I think the two things combined together will make a completely different world within my lifetime.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and the applications for your particular business yeah. are exactly. mind-blowing. Yeah. I love that you can, we just talked about fried chicken for like an hour upstairs, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you could just be in your bedroom eating fried chicken and yeah. be on some great date somewhere on the other yeah, side of the world exactly. with someone. It's pretty amazing.
1: That's <laughs> so, when you're like, uh, so Sunday night is the biggest night in the world for dating. Um, everyone's being a little bit sad and lonely and a little bit hungover, and they're like, prime dating time so you're like you're normally in your pjs with like a glass of wine on the sofa whereas before this you'd have been like out in a bar like dressed up a bit trying to look sexy and now it's like full slob central (laughs) I'm so looking forward to
0: those days yeah (laughs) full slob is my happy place I wanted to get your advice for anybody who is aspiring to a future a career in tech or even just as a startup what what do you say to people who who come to you looking for, for advice
1: my, my number one thing is always, and uh, um, uh, I think you said it at the beginning, but the, the, the biggest gap is going to be between saying you have a great idea and having the idea for the app, and actually doing something about it. Because uh, ideas are cheap and execution is hard. And uh, whether that is, whether it is like the first weekend where you decide to not go to the pub, or you decide to not go to something with your friends, and you decide to actually invest time in building something, that's the most dramatic difference. That It becomes something. It becomes something that's part of you that you want to build, that you can develop and, like, move on from. So I always think actually actively starting to do something can make the most, the biggest difference. Um, and also doing that, like, no one's going to make this easier for you. Like, no one's ever going to come up to you and go, here's loads of money to make your business. You deserve it. Like, you're great. Like, really? You... No, it doesn't, sadly. <laughs> and, and smartly, because... Uh, you don't deserve it. You don't have anything. Like, it's hard work and you have to prove it because it is so worth it when you do it. Like, running a company is a f- fantastic, um, uh, like, opportunity and, like, honour that I get to do. And I've worked unbelievably hard to do it, so I feel like I deserve it. But no one makes it easy for you, so, so, so do it. Like, put the effort in, put the time in, make it worth something because it really is worth it. you just got to get going.
0: hmm I love that. It's- yeah. I'm that person coming up with an idea every day and doing nothing, so I'll be (laughs) taking that advice to heart. But do we have any questions from the audience? Does anybody have anything they'd like to ask Robin? I just wanted to know, with your first level of funding for an app, what sort of range are we looking at that you need to have the investors give you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, my first round of money that I... um, uh, I got into Accelerator. That was my first uh, investment that came in, and... uh, I would thoroughly recommend everyone look at Accelerator programs if you are a first-time founder. It's a great structure and network for you to go into, um, and it, it teaches you a lot, and it builds you like a, a set of peers who are in a similar situation, so, and, and they're not easy to get into. And so for me to get to, into that Accelerator, I think at that time I had like 5,000 users, um, and that was enough to validate that this isn't just a concept product. Like people are using it, they are interested in it, and it can become something. And then uh, we did the accelerator and that um, was 40,000 euros, um, uh, which allowed me to hire the first people. And then after that, we raised around 100,000 um, uh, pounds, which uh, at that point, I think we had um, about 25,000 users, um, which has gone beyond the point of like, you've used a network to get your first set of people into like, okay, this is, this is like interesting to, to people. And I think that's, you need to get to, a, if it's a consumer product, um, you need to get to a point of tens of thousands before someone's going to write you a cheque. The alternative to that is friends and family, and uh, that's always an option. And if you have people that believe in you and uh, know you and believe that you will make this happen no matter what, friends and family are a good option. Um, uh, I think my friends and family didn't have any money, and uh, I think I was too scared to ask them because I didn't know if I believed it myself. <laughs> yeah, I needed to prove it to myself. Um, uh, and then if you're doing a, like enterprise or... Um, uh, SaaS kind of a business, I think you probably want to have, you need to have some signed paying clients um, and ideally like 10 or more paying clients before you're going to be able to raise money. Hi, um, thank you for your talk today. I just wanted to, I was wondering, like, how do you balance work and personal time? You touched on a little
0: bit, but like, what does, especially at the beginning, what did a typical work day, like in terms of sheer hours
1: look like versus the time you take to not burn out and die? Yeah versus now <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so I um I, I don't think that everyone should take this to heart because I'm very extreme in my approach to it I I don't know if I, I don't think I have a burnout phase and I think that that's um unhealthy for a lot of people to think that will say that because I know that a lot of people do have that and have experienced that point um I think I have a um a I don't know why I can just I want to take on more and more every time there was we did another accelerator in Silicon Valley um, called Y Combinator which is a fantastic program and I've never experienced stress like that in my life it was the hardest thing I've ever done and at one point I couldn't feel my arms for a day and I was like uh, trying to google what does a nervous breakdown feel like because I was wondering (laughs) if it was it but it didn't stop me it didn't like that should have been probably like a limit um but because we were in this program it just kept going so I I, I think it's safe to say I don't have a very good balance. Um, but that's also because I have a, a belief that I don't think the concept of balance exists anymore. Mm. I think it's already past that point, like uh, notifications, like uh, your daily life. Like I, I do want to know what's happening with my team when I get up at six in the morning. I want to see what's been happening in other parts of the world. And before I go to bed, it makes me happy to see like events that we're doing and things that are going on. So. I think it is important to know yourself and know your levels and what's needed. And what I do need is like once a year, once every couple of years, to take a week off or to take two weeks off and like turn off for a bit. And uh, that's really important for me and uh, and valuable. Do you Um, really turn off? I Hmm. it's been it's been like three years now, so now I need to like do it again. Um, And I was meant to do it in January and had to cancel it, but I am. like the thing is for me as well, like I'll, I can have like one day off in a weekend where I like uh, go out to the countryside and go do something. And for me, that's enough of a reset. Like I, it, a change in environment is enough for my like brain to shift and it makes me completely relax. And I do feel really different when I go back to work. And so I think it can give me those like micro reshifts. Um, but I think that is me, and I know that about myself, and I learned that about myself, and I've only learned it by like testing different stages of like oh, I can't feel my arms, like do we <laughs> think this can be bad? Um, but I have have experienced it, and so I think uh, um, uh, it's down to the individual. I still have this feeling that if you know if something happens at the company and it all folds and it all goes away, I need to know that I gave it everything, like every piece of me and every part of me to make this happen. Because this is, this is my passion project, it's my love project. It's not just like, I didn't just want a startup, like this is me and uh, I need to know I gave it everything. And so that's why I work as many hours now as I did when I first started it. Um, uh, but loads of my friends don't do that. So it doesn't mean that that's like the right way to do it. I think uh, loads of security comes from money. And I think a lot of my friends who raise um, uh, series A or series B, you have big teams of people. Like, we're still, like, a, like, engineering wise, it's still a small team, and so there's still loads we want to do. Um, uh, friends who have 30 engineers, there's more people to like, handle the load, so they do spend a little bit less time doing stuff. I don't know, maybe I'll be like forever. I don't know, I hope not. I'm gonna age I think quickly. none of this
0: advice should be undertaken without medical advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we want everyone to be able to feel their arms yeah. through this startup process. Anyone else? Yeah. Hey, that was really awesome. I have a theory that the best startups are the ones that are developed by a founder who has a shared or lived experience of the problem. And really, like, what what are your thoughts? Because you came from that space.
1: I completely agree. I think uh, you you spend so much time and so much of your life doing this. It actually kills a little bit of it for you, which is a little bit upsetting. Like, uh, I honestly, in loads of my spare time, I spend it with straight men. Because uh, I'm, I'm so, like, identify as bi, but with my job, I'm so gay, like, all the time. Like, everything is so lesbian that when I then have, like, uh, an afternoon or an evening off, I'm, like, going to go with some dudes and, like, watch some sport or, like, do something <laughs> to, like, balance my life out.
0: Very in touch with your inner bro.
1: Yeah, I, know, I need to, like, uh, see the other side of life for a bit. Um, uh, but I think that it... it it means so much more and that like ultimately I really think that running a startup is about pure resilience and just never giving up and I think uh, to do that you really have to believe it's needed and care about it and I think that comes from personal problems and personal experiences much more than just seeing an opportunity and uh, going for that because if when stuff gets hard what what if you're just going to stop because it doesn't mean everything I, I really love how inclusive the app feels when you're using it particularly around gender and I've noticed it doesn't feel quite as Eurocentric as a lot of apps do uh so I was wondering how you approach making the app uh represent the diverse community that you have yeah it's um uh, honestly I think it's something that I want to be doing more and more of like as the landscape of gender identity changes in the world and I think uh when I started the app, I was really um, focused on making it a female-only space, so anyone who identified as female, whether that was cisgender or trans, open to all women, um, uh, because I hated that guys used to come into these websites and ask me for threesomes, and it bothered me. The after time, and quite quickly, that you realize that gender's not binary, and there are multiple like uh, identities that sit in between, and. Uh, people were using our app who were part of our community who had different gender identities and so I think we introduced all our gender identities maybe like a year ago now um, and I think there's 23 at the moment um, I uh, it's, it's hard because I st- her I mean it's in the name right like her is always going to have a female skew to it and that's because that is the where I see there to be a problem is that not enough people are focusing on what works better for women but being inclusive of uh, all gender identities outside of cis men sorry um, but all other gender identities um, uh, is uh, really is really I think it's really important to me and I think uh, the most the best thing that we can do is a allow people to acknowledge and share what their identity is and express themselves in a way that makes them feel like proud and confident um, and uh, secondly to share stories and educate people about different gender identities because there's such a lack of awareness about like being gender non-conforming about being non-binary about transitioning and even within the community like huge volumes of a lack of education and so i think we can tell stories of people and help educate our user base so at least within our community there's like better acceptance and the other thing is there's pretty clear cut rules that if you speak out of turn or if you speak in a defamatory or derogatory way to someone your, your account will be closed. And uh, people have quite a hard time with us doing that because I think we err on the side of caution more often than not. Like We suspend accounts quite liberally because uh, we want to make it really clear that this is an inclusive space, and you have to feel like, safe and supported and with your peoples. And so if someone crosses that line, it just uh, got to use another app. Mm-hmm
0: that's about it but thank you so much Robert. I, I loved that conversation it's so interesting to hear about your your process and and the path that you've taken what's next finally oh my god what is next
1: keep getting more people it's like two million users it needs to be five it needs to be 10 million um it just needs to be bigger we need like more visibility more representation um and to prove that we're like a fantastic set of people that everyone should acknowledge and uh, realize that we exist and uh, um, should want to maybe be a part of. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you. If you like this episode and want to hear more like it, subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast app.